0: And um, I've got a word for you today, and uh, I trust God's going to bless you with it. It's a bit echoey, that a little bit loud, I think. Okay, so I'm reading from John 15, and actually it's picking up where Pastor David was sharing last week about fruitfulness. So the verse, the scripture for the day is John 15, verse 2. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. The message today is called um, The Road to Your Destiny. You have a destiny. Do you know that? You are designed for that destiny. God planned your destiny even before your life began. He says, every day of your life was written in my book before even one of them came to be. You have a destiny from God. Um, The Bible says that, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, Plans to prosper you. We repeat these verses very often and we sort of say them a little bit glibly at times because they become so familiar and we're in danger of not really appreciating later on the depth of what that means sometimes. I know the plans I have for you. Plans to prosper you, says the Lord. Turn to your neighbor and say, I have a destiny. God has good plans for me. You remember that old song? I'm going to sing to you again. I have a destiny I know I shall fulfill. I have a destiny in a city on a hill. I have a destiny and it's not an empty wish for I know I was born for I know I was born for such a time as this. This is your destiny and you're here in your destiny. I was born for such a a time as this that, you know, I have a destiny in a city on a hill, that reflects in that song, you know, the ultimate destiny of our lives in Christ. And it's a heavenly destiny. You know, it says in the Bible, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has even conceived what God has prepared for those who love him and are called according to his purposes. But the Holy Spirit does show us, he gives us a down payment, he gives us an inkling of the things to come. And, you know, we're so filled with joy from that. But the fullness of it, you know, no mind has ever even conceived the incredible beauty and glory of the destiny of the sons and daughters of God, which is you and me. If you are born again, if you do know Jesus Christ, if you don't, I believe you're here as part of your destiny that God is calling you to, to know him and to walk into an incredible destiny, yeah, that he has for you. In my glasses. The book of Romans um, yeah, is, is called by many sort of theologians as the crown of Scripture, the book of Romans. And Romans 8 is sometimes referred to as the jewel in the crown. Now, in this portion of Scripture, which many parts of it will be very familiar to you, um, but it summarizes our destiny in a, in a beautiful way. And I'm just going to remind you of that. Romans eight twenty eight. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purposes, who have been called to your destiny. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed into the image of his Son. So that's your destiny You're going to be conformed, and you're being conformed, transformed into the image of his Son. That he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Those he predestined, he called. Those he called, he justified by the cross. Those he justified, he glorified. This is the destiny of you and I, the sons and daughters. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us in our destiny? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? So this is our destiny, to be transformed into the image of Jesus I can tell you on the authority of Scripture, that is your destiny. Now, ladies, don't get worried here. you are not talking about, you know, you're going to grow a beard, and um, I don't want you to be worried about the facial hair situation. Not that funny, is it? <laughs> we try, we try. But don't throw away your no-nos. Um, it's, it's not about... <laughs> We're not talking about a physical likeness here. We're talking about being transformed into the indestructible life of Jesus Christ with his power, his life, his unquenchable love, his heart of compassion, his joy, his unshakable peace. This is what you're being transformed into From glory to glory, day to day, year to year. This is your destiny. And we're believing for the glory, aren't we? More and more of the glory. Because with the glory, we glorify Him. This is our destiny to glorify Him. In the early 1600s, when the Reformation had just kicked off and was, was well underway, in fact, in fact, this year, did you know that it's 500-year anniversary since the very start of the Reformation? 500 years ago this year, Martin Luther went up to the church at Wittenberg and he, and he banged this list of theses of, if you like, objections to what the established church were doing that was actually stopping people coming to their God and it's 500 years this year of, of, of the anniversary, which is amazing. I think this year we need to do something big and amazing in this town to commemorate that day. But um, you know, I've, I've been talking to Pastor David about it. Maybe even with the churches together, but that's another thing anyway. But in the early 1600s, the the government got together the religious leaders you know, the Puritan leaders of that time and said, look, we, we want all of our children and young people and men and women to really learn the true doctrine of the Bible. And so I want you to go away and study the scriptures very carefully and come back with a teaching aid called a catechism That people can learn, you know, and there was a short catechism for children and young people to learn by rote. And so they would learn the true doctrines of the Bible. They would learn about the Trinity, learn about the resurrection, learn about the Bible and Scripture and the true place of Scripture in our faith. And so they went away and they studied the Scriptures and came back with this question and answer kind of learning aid called a catechism. And it's known as the Westminster Confession of Faith. And um, one of the most famous questions and answers in it, and it's, I think it might be question number one, and that is, what is the chief end of man? What is our purpose? You know, what is our destiny? And many of you would know this anyway, from uh, but the answer that they came up with, the Puritan scholars and religi- religious leaders from searching the scriptures, they said, the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. That's what the Puritans came up with. I thought that was amazing, you know, that, yes, to enjoy God forever. That's a big part of, of our life and And in that, we will, in fact, glorify God as well. So that is our purpose. That is our destiny, to glorify God. Um, I I think they got it right. I'm sure you do, because we can see it from scriptures. I wonder what you would consider does give most glory to God in one's life, in a person's life, in your life, Another way, you know, what would be most pleasing to God in our lives? Um, Because that would correspond, I'm pretty sure, with what gives glory to God because He wants to be glorified. Is it winning souls? Is it the amount of souls you win? Is it love? Is it the fruit, fruitfulness? What is fruitfulness? What is the measure of um, the glory that God was looking for? here's a scripture that might help us a little bit. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is 1 Peter 1, 3 to 7. In his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. There we are. There's our destiny, our inheritance. We are heirs And this inheritance kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed. Right. In all this, you greatly rejoice, though now, for a little while, you may have to suffer grief of all kinds of trials, in all kinds of trials. Now these have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, which is of greater worth than gold in God's sight, which perishes even though refined by fire, the gold does, but this faith of greater worth than gold may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus is revealed. You know, our faith in God through the thick and the thin, through all situations, is what brings him great glory. When you're going through a trial and you say, you know, Lord, I know that you love me. I know that you're with me. I know, I trust in you. Through this, this brings God great glory. When people are suffering and, and the world around them looks and see that they still love God, they still glorify God, It brings God great glory and it is a very powerful witness. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. This faith of greater worth than gold is what glorifies God. And it's part of the fruit. It's a big part of the fruit, this faith. Now, Coming back to the scripture that I started with and ties in again with the fruitfulness from last week. It says, He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. So, so this, this branch here in my life is just not bearing any fruit. It's, you know, it's not very good. It's part of the old flesh, life, etc. He <coughs> cuts it off. Oh, man, that's painful. Uh, and, and discipline... Is, is, is painful, you know, but it's, anyway, there it is. It's good because we don't want the stuff that's unfruitful. But the stuff that's fruitful, this one that's, this branch that's doing real good things and, you know, growing and giving glory to God, what does he do with that one? He prunes it. He, he cuts it off. So the ones that don't bear fruit, he cuts. The ones that do bear fruit, He cuts, he prunes. Why do I say cuts and not just trims? You know, I know from a bit of gardening, I used to have an allotment and what have you, and the pruning that had to be done to these plants, the hard pruning, which is cutting a plant right down to the bottom. So there's just stubs often in some of this really hard pruning, including, you know, the grapevine, which would have been referred to here. And it's sometimes called rejuvenating pruning because it's necessary to cut right back. But when you do, this new growth that sprouts up and and that blossoms and blooms and is full of life with with a strong, strong base and, and root and foundation is wonderful, you know, it's glorious. The blossom, the health, the fruit that comes from this hard down pruning. So the life that we have in Christ, the life and the path to the destiny you have, there's the cutting away of the dead, of the, 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 the fruitless stuff, and there's the pruning of the fruitful things. You know, so, dear friends, the good news is you know, your life is going to be a journey of cutting and disciplining from the Lord. That is part of our walk. And we need to, you know, the sooner we can understand it, embrace it, and walk in it, the sooner, you know, our lives will blossom, the sooner we will walk in the glory, the sooner we will glorify God. It's a process, of course, that takes a lifetime as well. But... uh, What does this pruning look like in in the lives of the men and women of God in the Bible? Because that will give us some clue for our own lives. In Romans, again, the Bible says that everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures, And the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. That's Romans 15.4. All these things that we read of in the lives of of the, the saints in the Bible are given as an encouragement to us, as an example of the faith. Let's look at the pruning and the fruitfulness and how it might look in our lives. Let's take Joseph to begin with, is a good example. Joseph had a destiny. He had a call from God. He had a dream from God. Repeated dreams, repeated. You know, they knew they were from God. And he shared them with his family. He shared them with his mum and dad. You know, hey guys, you know, you're gonna bow down to me and to his brothers. You're gonna bow to me, guys. Whoa. And I'm sure in all innocence, he was sharing his vision, and, and, and it was the right vision, and it was what God was going to do. What happened? As we know, his brothers, his very own flesh and blood, they were going to murder him, and, and they started to murder him. And it was only that one of the brothers said, hey, please, come on, brothers, we, we mustn't murder him, we mustn't do this. You know, let's just, um, let's sell him, you know, let's... And he was trying to keep him alive, You see, the evil and the enemy had a plan to kill and destroy the vision and the man of God and the person, the saint. But God had his own plan. God was on the move. This was part of God's plan, in fact. God had a destiny for Joseph. He was saying, well, your destiny is not here, Joseph. I'm taking you to the capital of the superpower of the world, because you're going to, in fact, rule there. And this was God's plan. So, on the ground, the brothers, yeah, we'll sell him, he's going to be a slave. Ha, 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 look at the dreamer now. And yet God's saying, oh, I've I've got a train that's going to take you to the capital of the world where you're going to rule. And off he was taken. He didn't have to find his own way there. He was taken straight there by God's plan, and God's destiny. And he got there, and he was bought as a slave by Potiphar, as we know. And and the Bible says, but God was with him. That means that he was with God, by the way, because he maintained his faith in God he didn't reject God he didn't say well let's just curse God and die how could he do this to me I want nothing to do with God he stayed with God and we know that as well by the tests that came I mean so anyway God blessed him he stayed faithful to God he was obedient he was a great servant and he was quickly promoted and became you know he had everything of Potiphar and as, he, as, as Joseph said to Potiphar's wife, you're the only thing that, that Potiphar, my master, would not give me. And when Potiphar's wife came and said, come and sleep with me, you know, he ran, he did the right thing, he, he went away. And for doing the right thing, what happened to him? He went from being a slave to being in a dungeon. Things got even worse on the ground. He was taken to the dungeon. God had the destiny, had the plan. God was taking him to where he was going to meet and have the day of destiny with Pharaoh. He needed to go. He needed to share that he was a dream interpreter to the guys who were in the dungeon. And that's what happened. So can you see that God had his plan? The enemy had an evil plan. But God, it says at the end of that story, when, as we know, Joseph became the prime minister of Egypt, he and his brothers were all restored to him, and he said to them, what, God, what the enemy planned for evil, what you planned for evil. In fact, it was God's plan for good. God, God had a plan for good. And um, through that time, you see, we see a pruning in Joseph's life. He was being prepared for that position. It was something like, I believe, 13 years from arriving at Potiphar to being made prime minister in a day. From the dungeon to prime minister in a day. He was called up. What's the dream? What do we need to do about it? We need a wise man to go and collect the gold. You're the the man. You are the prime minister in a day. I don't know what you're going through right now. Do you know in a day, God can do that? If you trust him, if you trust him and he can trust you with your trust in him, in a day, God is at work. He is preparing you for that day. All he asks is that we continue to trust him. The Bible says in in Psalm 25, those who trust in the Lord will never be ashamed, never be disappointed, never be let down, but they will be rewarded. They will be vindicated always. One day it will happen. It's It's just a question of when. And we wait patiently for the Lord. He will bring your destiny to pass that's my word for you today he will bring your destiny to pass the path of your destiny is under the loving discipline and tutelage of your father who loves you more than you could ever fathom I mean we have fathers in the house I'm a father um, my son, I've got one son, two daughters, Danny boy, my little Danny boy, you know. Now, I love him, you know, I, I, and, and I, when he was a little boy, you know, he was my treasure, my, my daddy's little soldier, you know. and But of course, if I didn't discipline him, you know, when I knew he was being a bad lad, I would have ruined him. If I didn't step in, if I didn't love him, I, I you know, if, if I loved him, I, I would discipline him. And the Bible says a father disciplines those he loves, the son he loves, the daughter he loves, because he knows what's best for us. I remember, you know, Dan, of course he was a naughty little boy at times, but, you know, he's a great little lad. Um, and one thing I did was, um, you know, between us, we said, Dan, when he was a little boy, right, up to bed, no tea. no no tea to eat now that was you you could have told him he was going to die and it wouldn't have been a worse reaction (laughs) No, you know and he'd be up there crying and crying and and even sort of beating the floor and beating the wall. no you know he he loved his food he wanted his food He, he still loves his food you know and uh and of course, you know, it hurt me to discipline him as well. and I, I felt his pain and, and you know, I didn't want him to suffer but, but I mean, I had to do it. Uh, otherwise, he just wasn't going to learn the lessons, you know. It didn't happen very much. Don't, don't please don't phone social services. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, what happened was, and, and to be honest, I just remember the one occasion do you know, after a little while, he's up there, <laughs> whimpering in his room. I, I could take it no more. I, I made him, you know, the best tea, his favourite tea. He used to love having these little kind of soldiers of toast, but all with a different spread on. There'd be peanut butter, marmite, jam, <laughs> lemon curd, this, that and the other, and a nice hot mug of tea and everything. And eventually I went up, you know, knocked on the door and, Come on, sir. And and we were, you know, and I loved on him and gave him his tea and, you know. And, of course, you know, that's the heart of a father, isn't it? How much more is your heavenly father going to see you through and, and get you to your destiny through, yes, I'm afraid, you know, there has to be discipline. But knowing that in every situation that you experience, Your loving Father is working something in you and he will get you to where you need to get when you're ready. That's his promise. We just trust in him. We just trust in him. Um, These are trials. These are trials for us to to see when we're ready to train us. It's interesting, Dan now, he's in the army. He's been in about five years and he's got a trial coming up. It's a trial to be promoted. It's called a carder you know, and you go along, I mean, he's been, you know, he's been living the life, he's he's sort of, has all his friends, he's respected, he's got a really easy job at the moment in recruitment, but now he's going on a carder for promotion, and then everything's stripped away, and he's going to be beasted, he says, for at least six weeks where they're, they're treated like dirt. Again, it's like being a, a first um, recruit, again, a raw recruit, and he's, he's sort of trying to prepare himself for it. Oh, no, Dad, here we go, you know. Um, and, but that is the test and the trial for the promotion. It's because promotion's the other side of it. Do you know what promotion is the other side of your trial? So are you going into a time of difficulty right now? Are you experiencing a struggle? Are you experiencing problems? Are you experiencing real pain and difficulty? I want you to know that this is a time of promotion for you. Because it's how we respond in that time that is going to determine... You know, the speed and the level of our promotion, shall we say. But you're in a time of promotion. Be reassured. Be blessed. How can God say in his word, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when we suffer trials of many kinds. Consider it pure joy when you're suffering these terrible trials. That's kind of ee, 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 in the world's eyes, isn't it? It's crazy and stupid. But no, the Bible says, consider it pure joy because you are being tested. Your faith is being tested and refined. And to glorify God, it's being heated up like the gold in the fire and and, and purified. So we we can really consider it pure joy. It is a win-win-win-win-win-win-win-win-win situation. In Christ, you're on a win 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 situation. What is the depth of the suffering you're going through? Can I let you know you're on a win-win-win-win situation? Because there's nobody can stop your destiny, you know? There's nobody can stop it at all. The Bible says that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither height nor depth, nor anything in all creation can separate you from the love of your Father, your destiny. As an heir, you're on a win, 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 win. The quicker we get to learn this, then what can mortal man do to me? What situation can knock you off your road? Do you know you can't put a god man down? You know the situation, yeah, sorry, the saying, you can't put a good man down. You can't put a God-man down or a God-woman down because it's a win-win-win-win-win. Because whatever's being worked out in your life, God is on the throne and he's He's getting you to your destiny. That was, we mentioned... Um, Joseph, we could go through all the figures in the Old Testament, some of these key figures. Let's take Moses. He was the next guy after the Israel had gone into Egypt. Moses then took them out. He got the call, didn't he? I'm the deliverer. And God saved me for this purpose. And, and I'm raised up in the Pharaoh's home. And I'm a deliverer. Do you know I'm a Hebrew? And he goes up to the Hebrew guy and he says, he goes up to the slave driver. And he says, why are you. Hurting my people, I'm the deliverer. And kills him. I'm the deliverer, and he murders a guy. And then he goes to the, he goes to his own people, and he says, "Hey, why are you fighting? Come on, hey, I'm the deliverer. Sort it out. Stop it." And they said to him, "Who do you think you are? Who's made you judge over us? You know, are you going to kill us like you killed the Egyptian guy?" And all of a sudden. <sighs> Oh, and he ran. It all went pear-shaped and, and everything from being the prince in the royal household and the deliverer called to set the people free. They were all there in bondage and he knew he was the deliverer. All of a sudden, boom, he's in the desert alone. Got nothing, all of, you know, the the Pharaoh, the household, the soldiers, people, they were after to kill him. What hope did he have? He'd failed. And he had sinned, you know, he'd murdered. So even when you make mistakes, and we all make mistakes, and sometimes they're really big mistakes, don't think that your destiny is over. It's not over at all. God is pruning you. God is removing things. God is preparing you. God is taking you to your destiny. If you stay in faith and allow him to, you know, the only person can stop you getting to your destiny is yourself, in a sense, by rejecting God and saying, no, I don't want that. So, there he is in the desert. He's all alone. You know, it's all gone wrong. What must he have been thinking? And then... There's a load of shepherds start bullying the, the girls at the water, um, the water trough. And he says, you know, I'm not having that. And he chases them off. And there his wife, he meets his wife. God, even in the depth of that despair, was with him, brought him together with Zipporah, his beautiful wife, and started the preparation of rebuilding him again, saying, well, no, that wasn't the way. You missed it, but don't worry. I'm with you, I've got you. And there was a long process, 40 years, learning to be a shepherd, learning how to really look after and be humble and look after people. Then when he was ready, he was called again, Moses, Moses, the destiny was back on. Destiny was always on, by the way. So, we're on a win-win-win-win. Just coming to the end now. We see the illustrations in life. This was one that jumped out at me. You shall be called oaks of righteousness. The display of the Lord. The the, the glory of the Lord for the display of his splendor, something like that. You know, talking about the people of God, the saints of God. You shall be called oaks of righteousness. I was reading that, um, you know, trees, if they don't have the, the battering of the winds... Um, that, 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 that push them around and really buffet them through life. That's how they, they, they grow the roots. They, they put down the roots, they put down the roots deeper, 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 deep, strong roots, so that in the storms and the difficulties and the struggles in life, they become strong. If you don't have that effect and that battering and that pushing and that pulling and that twisting and that, that pain hurting, um, then. You, you, you don't develop properly at all. And, and how do they know this? They, they built this great big, what's called a biosphere in the Arizona, Arizona, Arizona desert. And um, the idea was being that they were preparing for, you know, how could they artificially create a sort of beautiful environment that even could possibly be reproduced in space one day. This is the whole idea, and they had all the planting and all the rest of it. And they found that when the trees grew to a certain height, not that mature, they kind of fell over. And they, they're saying, "What's going on here?" And they, they realized that they've soon worked it out. There was no wind coming into this biosphere, and so there was no development of that strength in the root system. And um, it's the same in our lives. You know God knows that we need that development in our character through struggles and the development of our faith in him. I also came across that back in the in the Wild West, when they would make a lot of wagon wheels, you know, loads of wagon wheels, so they became real experts in wagon wheels, they worked out that the wood from the trees, the oaks and whatnot, that were out and out exposed to the elements, the wood from those trees was much, much tougher on the wheels then wood that was from the inside of the forest that was fully protected and surrounded, so didn't experience the, the battering and the, uh, the storms of the wind. God knows what he's doing. Your heavenly Father knows what he's working in you in the storms and the trials of life. He's working for your good. We know that all things together Work for the good of those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. It's a win-win-win-win-win. God is working with you. Trust him. Trust him. And you will get to your destiny. Nobody can stop you. Do you know that? Nobody can stop what God has ordained. He raises up and he brings down. Shall we stand?